Hello and welcome back to the Penalty Box Podcast. Liam Godmer, Will Peshek here to talk all things NHL. And just before we start today's episode for today's episode and every episode, the Penalty Box Podcast is proud to be a part of the Face Off Hockey Network. And Will, it's been a little while since we last met. Uh, how are you doing and uh, what have you seen these last couple of weeks out of your New York Islanders? Well, first of all, I hope you had the chance to enjoy the beautiful weather that we've been having the past couple of days. It- I relished in it, man. It was great. feels like spring and, you know, bittersweet because at this time last year, the NHL was on pause Mm -hmm. and there were a lot of question marks, what we were going to look like. And fast forward a year later, we have the, we have not one, not two, but three vaccines and things are getting back to normal. And you would hope by the summer, we are back to normalcy in some degree. And it's great to see the warm weather is just, it's after the crap that we've been through in 2020 and the winter that we've had, it, it must've snowed every other week in the month of February. And to finally have good weather to finally have hockey. I'm not going to say playoff time. Cause remember we have playoffs in May this time. So, and they're going to start in October. Let, let, let's keep that in mind. So the Stanley Cup's not going to be one till July and they're going to have August and September to rest. And then October it begins again, but let's jump to the case and Liam, I want to start the show with this topic. And the elephant in the room is the Buffalo Sabres. I mean, but before we get to that, Carter Hart is having a season to forget right now. (laughs) And just before we, before we, sorry, before we get to that, I just have two quick notes that I wanted to open the show with uh, before we get into any uh, team specific things. Uh, We did not mention last time. I don't know if it happened the last time, but Walter Gretzky, the father of Wayne Gretzky has unfortunately passed away. Will and I. Father of hockey. Yes, the father of hockey. He is the ultimate hockey dad. And uh, Will and I send our condolences uh, to the Gretzky family and everybody uh, in the hockey community who has been affected by this. And Will, before we get into the teams, there was some huge news this week. ESPN now uh, has control of the NHL. They reached a record-breaking deal. NBC is no longer uh, the official carrier uh, for nationally televised games. It is now ESPN, back what it was when, back in 2005, the early 2000s. And now ESPN is back on top. And Will, I like it, but I will believe it when I actually see ESPN speaking about hockey. Well, that's the kicker, right? Max Kellerman, who is a clown, I can't stand the guy, and we shouldn't really be saying that because for all we know, he could be our coworker someday. If we get jobs on ESPN, he told, he told his audience that hockey is not one of the major sports. And here we go. We are now on a national stage and hockey is great to be back on a national stage, but I do feel bad for NBC and the broadcasters, some phenomenal broadcasters, Kenny Albert, Brendan Burke, um, John Forsland, they're going to have to you know, get a full-time position. We know John Forsland is now with the Seattle Kraken. Burke has the Islanders. Kenny Albert does the Rangers on the radio. But I'm going to say it once. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say it three times, maybe a fourth and a fifth. Get Gary Thorne back on ESPN covering hockey. And Liam, you know, we graduate not too far from now. Play-by-play for ESPN. They may be looking for some guys. So let's keep that on our minds. That would uh, that would certainly be wonderful. And uh, just to respond to your comment on Max Kellerman, uh, I am not working for ESPN at this time, <laughs> nor are you. Uh, and to say uh, that uh, that the NHL is not one of the four major sports uh, is a clown thing to say. 
and I certainly agree uh, with your sentiment. Uh, NHL is certainly one of the four major sports, without a doubt, uh, and it just goes to show how out of touch Max Kellerman seems to be uh, with the hockey community. But we'll move past him. Let me just talk about Gary Thorne. And look, I think it goes a little bit further uh, than, you know, the basis of it. The NHL lost their guy, the guy who, you know, made announcing or broadcasting just a staple for the NHL in Doc Emmerich when he decided to retire. And yes, Brendan Burke, John Forslund, Kenny Albert, you name it. They do a fantastic job, but they're not. Doc Emmerich. I knew every time I was going to tune into Wednesday night rivalry or a big playoff game in the Eastern Conference, Doc Emmerich was going to be calling it. And And that's what we need from Gary Thorne. It was on lane because he announced his retirement at the end of the season. Mm -hmm. And we were like, yeah, he's getting up there, but he's retiring. And now the voice of NBC Sports, if you want to say it, is now gone. But we have other things to talk about. So let's get it right underway here. Buffalo Sabres, they are a dumpster fire. Uh, I would just like to offer a sincere apology to everybody who has listened to this podcast, including my co-host, Will Peshek. When I said that this was the year for the Buffalo Sabres and my reasoning behind it was this. A few weeks ago, I said every year I, I, I write off Buffalo. I say they're done. You know, they don't have any juice. I have faith in them this time. I thought that they were going to be battling. I didn't think that they were going to be a four seed, but I thought that they were going to be battling. uh, And we've gotten the complete opposite. And if you would like to see where the Buffalo Sabres organization is right now, I want you to look past to their last game in Philadelphia against the Flyers. For two and a half periods, the Sabres just overwhelmed the Flyers. It was domination. And they still found a way to lose a game. That's when you know you have an inept organization and team when you find a way to lose, which the Sabres did against the Flyers. Let me tell you this. They have a couple of players who I think are going to be traded at the trade deadline. You could definitely figure Eric Stahl is going to be traded. He's a free agent at the end of the season. A lot of teams, I think Boston could be in the market for that. You know, they're not very deep down the middle. Um, Taylor Hall, another guy that could potentially be showing the door. Sam Reinhart, even. He's a restricted free agent at the end of the season. Um, teams want that, and he's shown that he could play. And I would say the hardest player that they could get rid of right now, and I think it personally, is that Taylor Hall. I mean, I don't think it's the teams. We may have to consider, is it Taylor Hall? You know, it did not work out in New Jersey it, after his heart, you know, finalist season. He goes to Arizona. Arizona can't win. He goes to Buffalo. Buffalo can't win. And this is a guy that wanted a prove it deal, a one year, $8 million contract. And granted it was that nobody was signing long-term in the NHL this year, aside from Jacob Markstrom who signed a six year contract with Calgary and the, and the top name players have, have only one year deals Hoffman who's at a PTO um, in St. Louis. So Taylor Hall, I don't know. He's going to ask for a lot of money in the off season, Liam, <laughs> Some team's going to pay him that money. It may be Buffalo again because of the whole Jeff Skinner contract, the Kyle Laposo contract. But I will tell you this. You can mark my words. Eric Stahl and Taylor Hall will not be on the Buffalo Sabres heading into the playoffs. And, Will, let me just say, I completely agree uh, with what you're saying. And just as far as Taylor Hall's next contract, as he is a UFA after this season, based on the way he has played this season in Arizona and the year after he won the Hart Trophy with the Devils, He doesn't deserve $8 million. He doesn't deserve $6 million. He doesn't deserve $5 million. If I'm a GM and I have the cap space, I give him a one-year deal at $4.5 million. I'm sorry. Just because you're a Hart Trophy candidate doesn't mean you deserve $10 million as a winger. It doesn't. 
You know who's proven to make more than $4.5 million? Call me crazy, but Eric Stahl. Um, I, I mean, the guy's still at his age. He had 40 goals one season in Minnesota. Yeah. Eric Stahl's still a good player. Look, he had his uh, short stint with the Rangers after they went out and acquired him at the trade deadline a few years back. Was not good. Nobody really wanted a piece of him. Minnesota took a flyer. And like you said, uh, they had a 40 goal scorer. Yeah. And you know who yeah. I could see? Getting, I could see uh, yeah. Minnesota getting him back. I could see them getting him back because remember, they gave up on Eric Stahl because they were trying to rebuild. And let me tell you, Capo Kakadin and Kirill Kaprizov don't want to rebuild. And they will Matt Zuccarello, yeah. so they could potentially get Eric Stahl back. And we will touch on the Minnesota Wild. They are your second favorite team, uh, and they are probably playing the best hockey of any team in the NHL uh, at this point in time. So good on them, but we will get to them very soon. Um, but going back to what you said about Buffalo, it goes past Eric Stahl. It goes past Taylor Hall. Yes, when you're not in contention and you're any team and you're not in contention, yes, it makes sense. Trade away your one-year rentals, get some draft picks. But it's much more than that. It's deeper than that. It's tear it all down. All down. How many times can you tear it down? You just gotta you just gotta do it again and hope for the best. Yeah, but there is no star player coming out of this draft right now except for pick number one. And with the Buffalo Sabres luck, it's it's gonna be Detroit at number one. And look. I don't understand what is going on right now in Buffalo, but I can assure you, first of all, they have to get a head coach because this is now year after year. They've had a coaching carousel. They tried Dan Bilesma. Eichel didn't want to play for him. They get rid of Bilesma and they bring in the coach, uh, Phil Housley. Did not work out there. And it's clearly not working out with Ralph Kruger. And you know, it's funny. They brought in Ralph Kruger. Because Taylor Hall said, I want to play for Ralph Kruger. And, and Taylor Hall is Kevin having Adams. his worst season under Ralph Kruger. Kevin Adams didn't even hire Ralph Kruger. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel bad for Kevin Adams. What is this, his first, second year? First, first year. First, first year. year as GM of the Buffalo Sabres. You got to make a decision here. Uh, and look, people like to say around the hockey community that a general manager is one bullet that they can fire before they get shot at is firing their head coach. And I think it's I think it's time because in this division in this 56 game season I'm on the verge as a fan to say there there's no way that they'll make it into the playoffs. There's no foreseeable uh avenue in which the Buffalo Sabres are a playoff team and that means you should tear it down. Your best player is unhappy, your young players are not developing. Darlene's not developing. Ristolainen's not developing. Reinhardt's not developing. Nothing's working. Eichel's not a franchise player. He's been injured in and out. He's been injured for his lower body. And then a day later, he's injured again for his upper body. Like, come on, just say just say the guy doesn't want to play for your dumpster fire. It'll be a lot easier. And the uh, goaltending is a joke. I mean, the goaltending is a joke. And the goaltending is a joke as well. I mean, look, again, I was wrong on this one. You got to be got to be real when you're wrong. I thought that Carter Hutton was a great signing uh, in free agency for the Buffalo Sabres uh, after his uh, tenure with the St. Louis Blues. That's been a dumpster fire. Omar gets injured. Johansson comes in and he's left out to dry. Maybe we should look at it like this. Yeah. Buffalo ruins everybody that they touch. Yeah. I mean, look, if Kyle Laposo is not signed to a ridiculous contract, teams may want him. Remember, the guy had 70 points with the Islanders. He's had a... He's had a sneaky good season this year. Yes, and, and, and he's a very good player. And he still has a couple of years left in the tank. But that contract is just so bad that Buffalo wants to dump that. But if they want to dump it, they got to retain some salary. 
So, and look, I understand, I understand what's going on in Buffalo, but you can't top that and have the same dumpster fire that's going on in Detroit right now. Because how many losing seasons are you going to have and keep Jeff Blaschel as your head coach? I, I honestly, I, I got to disagree. I don't think it's a dumpster fire in Detroit. Obviously, 7-16-4 and four with 18 points uh, in 27 games with a minus 34 goal differential is not good. But they tore it all down. They were a legit cup contender from the early 90s, you know, to, to the late 2000s. And they accepted that mediocrity was not going to cut it. And everybody yeah. in Detroit was mad that their 25 years straight of going mm. to the playoffs was coming to an end. But they were a first-round exit every single time they made it for, you know, toward the tail end of that stretch. What Detroit did a few years ago by tearing it all down is what Buffalo has to do right now. It's going to be hard. But they've Give done it away. times in the past, but they've done it a thousand times. Done yeah, it. I just think with the Red Wings, you know, look, and look, I'm just going to attack the point you made on uh, Jeff Blashill. Um, it, it is kind of amazing that he has withstood this, but I think Steve Eiserman, he realizes the product that he's putting on the ice. It's not good. And if you had Joel Quenville or you had Daryl Sutter or you had the best coaches in the NHL, you know, um, coaching that team, I think the results would be very similar. And that's a perfect segue into the Calgary Flames hiring Daryl Sutter to be their next coach, relate, uh, replacing Jeff Ward. And if you don't know this, Will, you probably do. Uh, the last time Daryl Sutter coached, besides coaching with the Los Angeles Kings, uh, he coached with the Calgary Flames in 2004 when they went all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals and lost to the Tampa Bay Lightning. So I'm, I'm going to get your take on this. I love this. For some, I think this is great. And for some people that don't know, Daryl yeah. Sutter has a son that has Down syndrome. Mm. And if you've paid attention to the LA Kings over the years that they were winning the Stanley Cup, and of course you are familiar with this because when they played – Yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah, no, no. Yeah, yeah. yeah. His son <laughs> is very involved in the hockey community. Mm -hmm. And if you ask anybody that watches the Los Angeles Kings or at the time the Calgary Flames, one thing about Daryl Sutter and his family was that they are the nicest people and their family is the nicest people that you will ever meet. And I want you to take note – that although Daryl Sutter is aging, he's an aging head coach, that just watching his son winning, holding up the Stanley Cup over his head when he beat the Rangers and they, and they beat the Devils, was a, it, it put a smile on my face. And, I'm not, and that's not one of the reasons why I'm happy that they signed him, but he is a legitimate, very good head coach. Does not show a lot of emotion on the bench. I mean, that you would expect a coach to show, but he's a good head coach. And for a, a team like Calgary, that's a borderline playoff team right now in a very hard North division, I think this is a phenomenal hiring for them. And it's, I don't think he's coached a game yet. He's practiced with them, mm -hmm. but I like this hiring a lot for the Flames. I do too. And Will, it takes me back to the beginning of the show when I said that uh, Walter Gretzky was the ultimate hockey dad. The Sutters are the ultimate hockey family because if you look at all members of that family they are all involved in hockey in some way brent sutter brandon sutter brett sutter ron sutter brian sutter Dwayne sutter rich sutter the list goes on and on there's so many sutters that have played in the nhl it is a hockey family and just as far as the calgary flames go and how it affects their team they've been middling but they still have a shot here there's six points out of first place they have a run I think that they can get, you know, they might be able to sneak into that four spot. Winnipeg and Edmonton, eh, I'm kind of iffy on both of them. But Calgary has a real shot here. I love this. Sometimes when you make it into the playoffs year after year, like the Red Wings have done, 
uh, or have done, and you just don't have success and you have first round exits, you need to make a transformative change. Bringing Daryl Sutter to be the coach of the Calgary Flames is a transformative change. Don't be surprised if they have a long playoff run if they make it into the postseason. Can we segue? Uh, sure, go well, for it. So here's uh, – look at the standings right now. Vancouver is ahead of Calgary with one extra point. They have 26, Calgary has 25. However, yeah. Vancouver has played four more games than Calgary. Mm. Um, they're also – Calgary's out of the playoffs – by six points, yeah. and they played one more game than Montreal. Um, Montreal is sitting comfortably right now over Vancouver because they have five. Vancouver has played the most games in the NHL. I mean, this is just insanity. How many yeah, games? the scheduling was very weird with the Canucks, and that's why I think that they're still not going to make the playoffs. I mean, look, if you want to see who's the better team right now, Calgary or Vancouver, you just have to look at the goal differential. And Vancouver's at a minus 15, Calgary's at a minus nine. I like Calgary's chances more. And let's talk about the Dallas Stars, which are an interesting story. They're 8-8-5. Eight, eight, Granted, they have six games at hand over Chicago and Columbus, but Chicago is 10 points ahead of them. And look, I mean, you were very skeptical about Chicago coming into the season. I said they have a shot to, to make the playoffs, and Patrick Kane is doing 2009-2010 Patrick Kane things, and Kevin Likin is holding down that fort pretty good, and Duncan Keith is back to old Duncan Keith for Chicago. Right, certainly. And we would also on the penalty box like to congratulate Patrick Kane 1, uh, on his 1,000 games played, um, certainly. Uh, and also uh, on the Chicago Blackhawks front, interestingly enough, Brent Seabrook uh, has announced uh, his retirement uh, oh. with – Air quotes retirement because air quotes retirement, but I think he's um, settled down with the fact that he's uh, he's he's ready to hang up the uh, hang up the skates there. But look, just your point on Dallas, I think that we can't talk about Dallas until they play the same number of games as Chicago. We just it just can't infer anything. Look, Dallas has to win five out of their next six games to be even with Chicago in the standings points wise. Uh, then, do can Dallas win five of their six games? The next six games, maybe they can. I don't know. They went to the Stanley Cup next year, uh, last year. They also you know. play Chicago, so those games head to head with Chicago are huge. Yeah, that will help them. So I think we have to refrain from talking about Dallas uh, at this point. This division's really starting to um, really starting to form out. And will I mean? I know we talked about them earlier. I expected Chicago to be the dumpster fire and Buffalo to be the team that makes it into the playoffs. Instead, it's been Buffalo who's the dumpster fire in Chicago. I'll team. admit that I'm wrong, too. I was wrong on Toronto. I, I mean, I didn't have them in the top four. Well, Toronto, I mean, we talked uh, a lot about I'm them. I'm like an idiot right now because they're sitting comfortably in the one seed. So. Well, well, you know, I, I would not say that you, you thought this way at the time, but I think that the, the, the Tavares thing, it just it just doesn't just doesn't allow you to look at the Maple Leafs in a positive light. And I don't right, blame you. You're right. It doesn't. Right. So they were already behind the eight ball before you made the decision to keep them out of the playoffs. So we can give Will a pass uh, on the Maple Leafs. They look good right now. They have the best goal differential in the North. But, but Will, interestingly, yeah, though, but yeah, this, this is what gets me going is that yeah. I understand NHL Network, NHL Network Radio. I can't listen to Spit and Chicklets because all they do is crap on the Islanders. Um, mm -hmm. But they want to talk about how good Toronto is. Yes, I get it. They are in first place, but they have not played Boston. They have not played the Islanders. They have not played Tampa. They have not played Florida. They've and, played teams in their division yeah. and only the teams in their division. 
And that's perfect for my segue and my next question, which is this. If Toronto makes it out of the North Division when it's all said and done, which, you know, there's a good chance that they will. Do you see them taking out of Tampa? Do you see them taking out of Carolina? Do you see them taking out an Islanders, a Washington? Will, the series that I have most wanted ever since John Tavares put his pen to paper with the Toronto Maple Leafs was the Leafs and the Islanders in a playoff series. Will, I need to see it. I think it's a five-game series. Islanders would have been five. I mean, I'm not so – Just regardless of how it plays out, I need to to see it. With fans in the stands and you being one of them. Islanders (laughs) have the first set of fans coming tonight at 7 o'clock against the New Jersey Devils. And, of course, you're going to welcome in 1,000 healthcare workers as the first group of fans that could see an NHL game. And I think that's terrific. Everything that they've done for for sports and – and the country and the world in general over the past year, and why not have the Islanders and the Devils and the Devils pay it back to them? So a good uh, story there. Um, but here's the problem that I have with the teams in the North Division. Aside from Toronto, it's very evenly balanced. I mean, I would say if the season ended today and it was Montreal and Toronto, I wouldn't call you crazy if you chose Montreal to win that series. Yeah, um, I, I certainly see what you're saying. Uh, I think it would be close. Don't get me wrong. I mean, hey, you can't count a team out when one team has a plus 26 goal differential and another team has a plus 15 goal differential. And I think that this is probably this stretch here, maybe the last couple of weeks included, has been the worst stretch of the season for the Montreal Canadiens. I think they're only going to look up. I think having a new coach in there behind the bench uh, is big. Uh, obviously, no Claude Julien, which is a transformative change for a team that I don't really think they needed one. But uh, they got a big win last night against Vancouver, so that's good. Uh, and, Will, let's move on now to the Honda uh, West Division, and you get your chance. The limelight, the spotlight is on you and your Minnesota Wild because they are 15-8-1, 31 points, a plus-12 goal differential in 24 games. Wow, that is I mean, impressive. I, I mean, I didn't expect it. Yeah, I, it's the fact that they're ahead of Colorado right now. And listen, do not count out the Los Angeles Kings in the mix right now. They're a team that people are sleeping on, and you can't sleep on them. Dustin Brown's having a hell of a season. Uh, Jonathan Quick is having a hell of a season. But the Minnesota Wild, when they got rid of Devin Dubnik, they wanted Cam Talbot and Capo Kakadin to take the reins and, and lead this team to what they would think is where they are now. And Kakadin has been a terrific uh, addition for them. And here's where things get a little dicey. If you're a team like Minnesota and you're a team like Los Angeles, do you go for it at the trade deadline? Do you want to risk mortgaging your future for a potential first, second round exit? I don't know. I think if Minnesota was to make any move, it would be a small move like Eric Stahl or a move, uh, let's say. You know, know, I think that they have a big move in them. You know, you're talking about Taylor Hall suitors? Maybe. Maybe. Look at that top six, man. If you have Zuccarello and Kaprizov and Taylor Hall in that top six, wow. Wow, that would be a big gamble on Minnesota's part and Bill Garrett's part. But I still hey. think though, I still think Eric Stoll is, is a good fit there. He's played there before. Yeah. Had a lot of success there. It just might be some bad blood since they, you know, since they moved on from him, you know, so, you know, uh, is such a short time ago. You, know? you want me to tell you who, who 
is a team that I think could be exploring trade options. And there's a lot of good players on that team. That's the Columbus Blue Jackets. I have one for you too. After we talk about the Blue Jackets, continue. Go ahead. Uh, well, I was going to say the Anaheim Ducks. Okay. Uh, I I think there's two players from the Anaheim Ducks that are movable, and I think Raquel? one is a Raquel is one, and Gibson is the other, and I think that. John Gibson is the most slept-on goaltender in the entire NHL, hands down. For the money that he's making on his contract, he's the most valuable goaltender in the NHL. I believe it. $6.75 million for the next five, six years for John Gibson. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. If I'm looking for a goalie, I'd jump on that in a heartbeat. Do you think Minnesota – I don't think they go that route because I, I think they roll with Cockadin. Yeah, I, I, I think they feel he's he's going for the future. But I could tell you that I think there's a team that might take a gamble on on John Gibson, who's in the hunt for a playoff race right now. And call me crazy, but I think the Nashville Predators might jump on it, even though they're not in the playoff race. Um, Nashville, yep. they're trying to get rid of Usaros and Pecorino's at the end of his career. So, and they want to find a goaltender. But look, there's a lot of options there. And that'd be interesting, right? You know, sorry to cut you off, but that'd be very interesting. If you know Anaheim and, and 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 they linked up together, and look, you send Soros over to the Ducks, you send Gibson over, you know, uh, to the Predators, along with some uh, some picks from, for both teams. from Nashville. Work out for both teams. It could work out. But, yeah, it'll be, it could work out for both teams as well. But you know, want to hear an interesting suitor for uh, for John Gibson, and this is going to shock you, and it's probably not going to happen because they're in the same division, St. Louis. I think. You know, that, they, it's probably not going to happen because they have faith in Bennington. I don't have faith in Bennington. I think he is the definition of a one-year wonder. Well, I this think, is my take. I mean, you want to talk about teams I, that, that could use John Gibson? I, I don't think they're going to trade in division, but the Colorado Avalanche are certainly in the market for a goaltender right now. Um, yep. So – I mean, Devin Dubnik from San Jose could be also on the move, too. I mean, him and Martin Jones, I mean, they were hoping that they could rekindle some magic between the two of them, and they are. And Right. And there are some, there are some teams that you can take out of contention for all these guys. And if you're looking at those teams, it's every team in the North. You know, they're not going to want to make that trade after undergo the quarantine, you know, and all that stuff. Not good for the player nor the team. Uh, but for John Gibson, if he comes available, you know, I'll just run through the teams. Tampa, not You know who I take the sleeper for John Gibson? And I yeah. hate to say it, it pains me. The Pittsburgh Penguins. Pittsburgh Penguins. Carolina could be interested in John Gibson. Florida, not interested. Chicago could be interested. Columbus, not interested. Nashville, like you said, could be interested. Dallas, eh. Detroit, definitely. Um, the Buffalo. Islanders, no. Washington, <laughs> no. Pittsburgh, yes. <laughs> Buffalo, yes. How about Jack Eichel for John Gibson? Have you heard that one on Twitter yet? But uh, but yeah, I mean, they have a lot of – and what about Ricard Raquel? What do you think about him? I think he's the most valuable asset on that team. And maybe Jakob Silverberg. Uh, he's still on the Ducks, right? Silverberg's Silverberg still on the Ducks as well. Um, as well. The um, thing with Raquel is that he's a center, so he's going to bring back a ton more. You know. Let's, let's but talk about – Continue about the Blue Jackets, what you were saying before. Yeah, it's – Interesting because they they gave the vote of confidence to John Tortorella, mm-hmm. and uh, it has it, it just has not worked out there. Yeah. Um, here it's interesting. They, they have a lot of free agents. Obviously, they're going to keep Wierenski. I, I could see maybe either Mosleykins or Corpy Salo getting traded. You want to talk I about could see that as well. That's been rumored for a long time. Yeah, um, but I, I do want to end the show with the Mass Mutual East Division. Yes, Aaron is. Back with the Rangers. It's going to be some time. Um, Vitaly Krovstov's season with Tractor just ended today. Mm-hmm. So 
the plan, I believe, is for him to come to the Rangers after he fulfills the quarantine in the U.S. But the Boston Bruins are in fourth place, holding on to the final playoff spot by one point, and they're tied with Philadelphia for 23 games played. The Islanders have played the most games in that division with 26. Do you see Boston missing the playoffs? Uh, I don't envision a scenario where Boston misses. So that the would playoffs. mean if if the way that it stands right now, yeah, Philadelphia is the team because we all knew that it was going to be tough for the Rangers, the Devils, and Buffalo to compete with the other five teams in the division. Now, you asked me at the start of the season, I would have said it would have been Pittsburgh looking out of the playoffs, but they've been terrific. So this means if, if the fine if the top four stand right now. New York, Washington, Pittsburgh, and Boston. Philly is out of the playoffs. Does that top four stay the same? Not in that order, but does that top four make the playoffs? Or do you see one of them falling out and Philly coming back in? Uh, no, I, I don't think it's going to be uh, these four teams uh, in particular. I think that it's going to be uh, Philadelphia instead of Pittsburgh. And if you look at my initial predictions for the East division, I'll try to pull it up because I know that I do have it in my notes. But one thing that I do know for sure is that I had the Islanders at number one. And that's even you as a diehard Islander fan were like, eh, I don't know. You know, I don't think that's going to stay though. I don't think that's going to stay. But they, in this last stretch, they have established themselves as Buffalo. one of the top two teams in this division. They have. Right. But they played Buffalo. And look, Every guy wants Yeah, to but they went and beat Boston in a game they weren't supposed to win. That's a sign of a good team when you win a game you're not supposed to. And people want to talk about it and criticize the Islanders for beating Boston. The Islanders are supposed to win the games against Buffalo. You're supposed to beat the teams that you are supposed to beat, if that makes any sense. Right? Yes. Yeah. They're, you're told to beat the bad teams. No offense to you, but you're supposed to beat the Rangers. You're supposed to beat the Devils. And you're supposed to beat Buffalo. And they've beaten Buffalo, and they've beaten the Rangers two out of three times that they've played. Um, you're supposed to do that. But the fact that they've beat Boston four times, does that not show any any smarts to the hockey experts on NHL Network and on Spit and Chicklets podcast? They beat the team that gets glorified in the East Division four times. Here's the thing. All in a row. Yeah. And they Here's couldn't the beat them. They couldn't beat them for the past six seasons. Here's the thing. When the Islanders go up against a team who's offensively minded, there's a good chance that they'll lose, you know, because the Islanders are not going to beat a team with their offense. It's just not the way it is. But if they go up against a team that is defensively sound, like the Boston Bruins, they're going to win every time. Nobody beats the Islanders at their own game. But that's what raised a lot of in the playoffs because Washington had a better offense and they beat them in five games. Philly had a better offense and they beat them in seven games, but they played better than them all seven games that they've played. So they can handle with the teams that score a lot of goals. And they yeah. were two games shy of beating Tampa Bay. All the games that they lost were close. It was never, it was never, ever blowout. It was never, and that's why, and that is precisely why I had the Islanders at number one because I saw something in that playoff run uh, that shows when push comes to shove and when the games are big and when the moments are large, uh, the Islanders come to play. But uh, look, we'll wrap up the show right there because I know that you got class in around five minutes. Uh, just a quick note on the Rangers. 
like you mentioned, Artemi Panarin, he is back at practice. Uh, he is not playing in tonight's game uh, in Boston, uh, but he will be back in the lineup soon. Uh, it's going to be great to have him back. Liam, so you see Pittsburgh coming out and Philly coming back in. And don't worry about class. This is over Zoom, so I could always join it and pop <laughs> in. Um, you could – Philly and Pittsburgh, I don't know, but Boston's scaring me. And they don't have a lot of their top guys. Law Zone is out. All right. I mean, their defense, I mean, they're relying on Jared Tenorti getting top four minutes. That's a problem. Um, Problem with the Bruins is not their defense. I know they've been injured. It's the offense. They got nothing. I I texted you that. They have have nothing outside of 36, 37, 88. Marsh and was a healthy scratch. Yeah, that's not good. That's not good news. I mean, Charlie Coyle was just starting to get going. What happened? That disappeared. Will, I don't care how good your first line is. If you don't have scoring in your second, third, or fourth lines, you're not going to go anywhere. Well, I have put them in the conversation for a guy like Eric Stoll. Yeah, they'll definitely be in the market for a uh, for a score. Eric Stahl could be one, but they have depth down the middle. Uh, you Again, you want to talk about another team that might take a flyer on Taylor Hall. There it is, the Boston Bruins. And if any team can turn around Taylor Hall and make him into the offensive player that he don't was when he won the Hart don't Trophy. Say it. Don't, it's, don't it's, say the Bruins. It's Just the fun. Boston Bruins. I, 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 I'm just saying they're not in division. Both divisions are in the United States. There won't have to be any travel. I'm oh, sorry. They're in the same division. What am I saying? They're in the same division. You know, there wouldn't be any quarantine rules. The Bruins have cap space. They didn't sign Zdeno Chara so they could free up some space. Yeah, Tory Krug. They didn't replace him. They could make that up. So if Taylor Hall gets moved by Buffalo, which you said was pretty much a certainty and a sentiment in which I agree, I think Boston's at the top of the list. And if they get him, I also think Washington has a shot to miss the playoffs because oh, yeah. they're rolling with Vitek Vanacek. Um, Ilya Samsonov is just like, he's back with the team. He's practicing, he's playing games, but they're going with Vanacek. Again, similar to what happened with Mika Zibanejad. You come off COVID-19, you're not testing positive, which is what the headline grabs, right? The headline grabs, okay, well, Mika Zibanejad is COVID-free. He's good to go. No, he's not. Ilya Samsonov wasn't good to go. Mika Zibanejad wasn't good to go. Mika Zibanejad got his second goal of the season. His first one was on the second night of the year or the third night of the year, I believe. He got his, uh, excuse me, third goal of the season. His second goal was an empty net goal. But he got his third goal of the season in like, what, the 26th, 27th game? And the same thing goes for Mackenzie Blackwood. He was terrific. Absolutely. And he comes down with COVID and he's just not the same. And people want to say two weeks, you're back healthy. It's 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 a lot more than that. Um and look at the Philadelphia Flyers. Yeah. Their whole team got hit. No wonder they're sitting in fifth right now, right? Yeah. I mean, also the Miami Marlins had it last year, and they made the playoffs, and then won a, and, and then won a series. But that's a totally different. And and Freddie totally Freeman different. had it and nearly passed away from it, and then went on to win the NL MVP. Yeah. So I guess it comes down to the individual. But in hockey, at least, look, the Devils. And the Sabres, they went down with a COVID outbreak around the same time. And uh, now between them, they have a minus 40 goal differential. So, And you look, uh, at, what, uh, you look yeah. at what I looked the most on. Yeah. The plus minus in the East Division, mm-hmm. the Islanders are a plus 18. The next team that's closest to that is Boston at a plus 10. And that shows you where they are probably going to end up at the end of the year. I believe 
I had the Islanders at one, Boston at two, at three I had Philadelphia, and four uh, you had Washington, and at four I had Washington. And I think there's some potential in that scenario playing out. Uh, and again, Washington plus four, not impressive. Pittsburgh plus four for where their roster is. I'll give them some credit. A plus four is pretty decent. Philadelphia plus three. Eh. You know, Rangers plus one. They're not in the uh, area where all the other teams above them are, but they're still a plus. So they're not with the Devils and they're not with Buffalo. So I think this division kind of unfortunately for me as a Ranger fan is split up into three sections, one through five, the Rangers, and then Buffalo and New Jersey. All right. Well, that'll wrap up this week's show of the Penalty Box Podcast. Will Pesek, Liam Grottimer, and on Saturday – we're going to get a podcast, and I'll be in a hotel in Army West Point um, <laughs> doing a podcast um, while the team is at their morning skate. So we'll get that done. Sensational sports trio. A lot of things to discuss. Major League Baseball right around the corner. The, the Brooklyn Nets get Blake Griffin. And how about this? The New York Knicks are going to make the playoffs. I think they'll make the playoffs. And they're going to have the five or four seat. Could you imagine that? Certainly, certainly look out for the sensational sports trio, because when we touch on the topic of the New York Knicks as a now, as right now, a proud New York Knicks fan. And you can also have a debate with the Boston Celtic fan of Corey. So we'll get into all. And let me just say, Will, I know you're a Brooklyn Nets fan. If it's one through eight, you know, or the Nets and the Knicks, they 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 come together in the playoffs. Don't think you're going to have an easy time with us. It's not going to be. It's it's not, five, six games, maybe Julius Randall is playing at the top of his peak. And again, this is a conversation we will have on Saturday. We don't want to keep you guys that follow hockey in a mismatch of what's and going if on. You, and if you are a Rangers or an Islander fan and you haven't watched, you know, too much basketball, invest in the Brooklyn Nets. They might as well win a championship this year and invest in the New York Knicks because they are relevant for the first. They are relevant, unlike the Buffalo Sabres for the first time uh, in many, many years. But like Will said, that will wrap up the episode of the Penalty Box. Always proud to be a part of the Face Off Hockey Network. Liam Gottimer, Will Peshek, thanks for joining us. Until next time.